so blessed to have them here. They were so stoked, and they were excited to see where we are at as a tribe, and, and uh, very, very encouraged, and, and I was very encouraged by them. But I'm telling you, uh, what we're wanting to do is introduce to you different ways of sharing the gospel. The message is still the same, but the presentation can be totally unique, and it's uniquely you and how you share Jesus with others. Amen? But we have, to, we have to come to this place in our own heart that we're healthy enough as a person in Jesus, we're healthy enough to understand that we do have something to give, and it's called Jesus. Amen? And with that comes tremendous hope. But if you don't feel that Jesus is enough, then you're going to have to go back to and reboot your relationship with him. And we'll talk about that as time goes on. But the biggest thing I'm seeing right now is a lot of people have lost their joy. It has been stolen by the world. It's been stolen by the enemy himself. And I want to see us get our joy back. Every one of us. Some of you are on your game when it comes to joy. Others are like, oh, I'm struggling with joy. But I'm telling you, if we're going to represent Jesus to the world, we've got we to let the world know that following Jesus, this is joy. Amen? So I, I have someone coming up this morning to share their perspective on representing Jesus in terms of evangelism. And this young man has a, a very unique way of sharing Jesus with others. But it's his world. It's his sphere of influence. And I'd like you to listen to his heart. Jonathan, come on up. He is what I would call the working man's evangelist. <laughs> I'm the working man's evangelist because my parents couldn't pay for me to go to college, so now I have to. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about honoring your father and mother. <laughs> I'm starting to get a complex. Normally, there's a camera here. Last time I shared the camera's missing, and it's missing again. There's something I should be worried about, or it's all right. That's the nerve-wracking thing about preaching or sharing is nowadays you're recorded and you're entombed on the Internet forever, and it's like, maybe I overthink it, but I always sit there thinking, man, what if I like walked out of here and dropped dead? That'd be like the last words my kids ever heard. And then it goes and takes something that's already nerve-wracking and makes it even more nerve-wracking. Anyways, don't overthink. It's a horrible, horrible thing to do. So... I'm going to start out real quick in Acts chapter 9, the conversion of Saul. And um, I'm just going to kind of speed up here. So Paul's got the scale over his eyes, right? You guys remember that, or do I need to back that part up? I think everybody knows that. Paul's out killing Christians. God puts these scales over his eyes. He's blind, tells him, you're going to be blind until you figure this out, buddy. So Paul's on his way. He was blind. I think it was three days. Didn't eat or drink. I'm going to start out in verse 10. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Have any of you said, Here I am, Lord? Okay. Keep listening. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying... And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. I think a lot of us, as you guys admitted, have said, here I amuse me. And then God asks us to do something that we don't like the idea of. And even Ananias, I'm taking it in that conversation he had with the Lord, was trying to say, is this a good idea? Because this doesn't seem like a good idea to me. And what was God's response? He is my chosen. If God... So love the world he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. Are we not all his chosen? So no matter who God is asking us to go approach, are they just important to him as Paul was? A lot of times that's tough. Because God's going to ask us to meet people where they're at. And meeting people where they're at is not always easy. I lived most of my life outside of the box. So getting outside the box, I don't get wigged out. I feel at home. It's when you try to put me in a box, I start to cringe. And there's times that God asks me to get in the box. And that's where I'm going, are you sure it's a good idea? I liked it out there. But, you know, I, just briefly, I'm going somewhere, I promise. I'm going to ramble my way through this chicken scratch here until I figure it out. But, um, you know, <laughs> in my world, I, it, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say my style of evangelism, but where I feel like God has me reaching people is I approach things a lot different than others. So I'll be honest, I think one of my number one ministry tools has been beer. I haven't drank for 10 years. I still buy a lot of beer. And I sit down with a lot of people when they drink that beer. And you know, it's a struggle because it's, it's am I enabling? I don't know. But I feel that's what God's asking me to do. And I've had tons through this of people have encounters with Jesus. Tangible encounters with Jesus. And I've seen lives touched and people healed and I've had periodically people come to church and get healed and they move on and that's okay. And, you know, that's where, you, you know, my, my, my journey kind of is and I find myself in these situations where I think a lot of people might say, I don't know, that's a good idea. But I see God work. Because we have a tendency to think it has to look like this. And money. I give a lot of money away. 
And it's surprising in this weird thing that, and I'm not tooting my horn, because sometimes my wife's looking at me like, make sure you keep enough to pay the bills there, bud. But, and, and, and it's not every homeless person, but God will highlight. And I give out money and say, here, buy a burger and beer on me. You know, and I've built relationships with people and seen God speak into their lives, and I have seen God touch and heal them. I've seen restoration. I've seen lost people come home. I've seen missing people returned. And that's where it started. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in this. I'm not saying, you know, to, to compromise your own values. I mean, I can sit and buy someone a beer and not drink because drinking didn't work for me. I always joke, I could have drank it 10 years ago. I haven't been in handcuffs since. You do the math. There you go. But, you know, even in that, people are like, why are you buying beer all the time for us? I'm a contractor, and I, I do mainly concrete, and I work with these crews, and most of the guys drink, and, you know, at the end of the job, they're all having a beer. And for the longest time, they thought it was the weirdest thing, like, you don't drink, and you bring a cooler full of beer. The cooler's full of beer and a bunch of other drinks, too. So I sit there and drink my bubbly water, they drink their beer. And slowly but surely, I've been able to weave Jesus into these conversations and pray for them, because a lot of these guys have a lot going on in their lives. And, and if I stopped at the door that, you know, when God said, go out and lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. If I just stopped that it had to look like, you know, this holier than thou art thing, I'm not relatable to the world anymore. I'm absolutely useless. And it's tough because, you know, it's not always easy to navigate. And I guess where I'm going is, you know, this last year this whole I, I am my kids refer to me as captain germaphobe and i will say it and it's something i'm working through i'm allergic to 10 antibiotics a couple other drugs and to me and this is the whole deliverance team's going to tackle me afterwards now but for as long as i can remember and this is just me just being raw and real i've had a voice every morning i wake up that says is this the day you're going to get sick and die and I've prayed, and I feel like, you know, Paul, the thorn in the flesh, like, God, take this away, and it's not going. And I push through, because from my standpoint, if I get sick and I can't fix it at home, the hospital can't fix it either, because usually what they give me to fix it, it makes me sicker than what I already had. That's life. And so, I hope I'm not going off course where my dad wanted me to go, but that's where I'm feeling, so we'll see how this ends. Um, when this whole COVID thing hit, I went into freak-out mode. And for someone who's, I, I guess, we all have our giftings. And for me, like I said, being outside the box, reaching people that most people don't want to deal with. I, I mean, I, I've sat and ate lunch with convicted pedophiles that went to prison for 20-some years. And I'm sitting there going, God, I really don't feel like sitting in a truck with this dude because I have kids at age of stuff he did stuff to. And they end up at these jobs, and God's going, no, you're going to sit in there, you're going to love on this guy. And you sit there and love on him, and you buy him a Bible, and the guy goes, wow, I've never even read this thing. I mean, normally you encounter people that, you know, have their bent, you know, kind of burn at the church. It seems to be the M.O., and I'm going, holy cow. I mean, this guy literally never even heard of the Bible. And I got other coworkers going, dude, how do you even sit at lunch with this filth? 
I have to look out and say, you know, I guess in God's eyes, we're all, or not, I don't want to say in God's eyes, but, you know, before Jesus, we were all filth. All the fallen sin, or fallen short of the glory of God. And in God's eyes, you know, it's that, that man, he loves just as much as me. So I got to do this, because I got asked. I didn't want to, but that's, that's just kind of my life. That's where I end up in these, in these places. So when this whole COVID thing comes in, and it hits, you, you want to talk about, I'm surprised I wasn't one of the people in like the hazmat suits walking around. And I, I'm just being honest. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of people find like, dude, you're that like scared of germs. I don't really, I didn't, wouldn't have caught that. I'm like, oh yeah, you wait and see, hang out with me long enough. I mean, I, I had gallons of hand sandy before it was cool. When there was a shortage, I'm like, no, I'm good. It, it, you got laughing, you're serious, that's my wife. Gallons were on hand. I have an automatic dispenser inside our door of our house, okay? I'm just being honest. So this all comes about, and all of a sudden, Jonathan doesn't want to talk to anybody. Jonathan doesn't want to look at anybody. Everybody stay home. I go to the grocery store. I don't talk to anybody. I don't look at anybody. Everything's getting wiped with Lysol wipes before it goes in the house, and I was going wacko. You know, and then everybody's, the mask thing came in. And I'm not here for political debate today. I'm not throwing rocks at any side. I'm just sharing something. I'm going somewhere with this. And it came along. And, you know, working in the construction trades, I ended up in this one place. I was like the OSHA hall monitor. Great job. And so I had to read this giant manual. And we dealt with some chemicals that we had to wear respirators for. And so you had to learn all these things. And so... I'm sitting there going, okay, well, cool. I got, because of work, I got the, you know, this rated filter and all this, block viral stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, well, I guess I'll just wear the big respirator because he's, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm more than golden. Because you can find masks anywhere, right? And this is where it gets interesting because this is where, outside the box. And all of a sudden, I felt convicted, don't wear a mask. What? I mean, even my family's going, well, I'm surprised Jonathan doesn't have a mask on. My wife's looking at me like I'm going to dig some hazmat suit up I buried she didn't know about, you know? I'm like, nope. And so, that's where I was at. And so, I, uh, here lies the germaphobe in the midst of this. And I remember, I felt like God saying, I am determined to see you come out the other side, less fearful than when you enter. Okay. So, thus starts the maskless journey. And you know, I, I, I got a lot of flack everywhere I went. I always respected people's spaces. I honored the six foot. I gave my kids a choice. I didn't force any anybody. Here's why dad's not wearing it. If you want to wear it, go for it. Buy it. You know what I mean? I, it, I'm not trying to impose my convictions onto anybody. But I remember as I, as I walked through, and I mean, it was like the conversations I had in stores, and sometimes my answers were a little snarky because I was sick of it. Because inside, I'm still freaking out. I still got a bottle of hand sanitizer. I mean, I would buy hand sanitizer still at the store, and people would look at me with no mask buying hand sanitizer and go, really? I'm like, yep. Yep. And, <laughs> but, you know, I remember one day about halfway through this thing, I remember walking out of Winco. And this man turns around, and he drops his mask, and he looks at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, thank you. And I'm like, for what? And he goes, 
for not wearing a mask because I needed to see a smile today. I am not speaking against anybody that wears the masks. I'm just saying I got asked to do something I wasn't real comfortable with. And to me, and, and, and that was the fruit of it. And slowly but surely, I had more of those encounters happen. Were they less than the ones that attacked me? Yeah. But that's where I sat. And, and you know, I, I watched through this, this whole thing, this hopelessness, come over a, a nation, a town. The, the, I have friends in law enforcement, man. There was this spike in suicides, even in this county that was unreal. Young, old, it didn't matter. I mean, people dropping like flies. And I'm sitting here, and I remember one day going, Lord, like, what, what are we doing? I'm watching churches close the door. And, and, and again, this is my journey. I am not throwing rocks at anybody. But this is where I had it out with Jesus. And, and you know, I sat there, and I'm like, God, what's, what's going on? Because I wanted to close the doors, too. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to lay hands on the sick or heal the dead or cast out demons. I wanted to go hide in the hole. Okay, we'll let this pass, and then we'll move on. And here I am out in the midst of it trying to hide my four gallons of hand sandy in a backpack, trying to love on people. You know, and, and I remember, and this is, I just remember going, God, what's up? And I remember God specifically told me, you close the doors and keep the virus out, you lock the hope in. I get wisdom. Like I shared the last time I shared about my son that was in the NICU, like, yeah, you know, we always heard, comical will kill him, comical will kill him. You take a germaphobe and you put him in the hospital with his kid in there for 78 days and I had to go. That became my home. You want to talk about a freak out, being uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I say I lived outside the box. Maybe I just have a bigger box because to me that was, well, I felt like I was in a box. I like in this hospital. I don't want to be here. I don't like it. And I remember, you know, that became my mission field was in this hospital. And, you know, you'd be someone, God's like, hey, why don't you go pray for that lady? Okay. You know, hey, this might sound crazy, but, you know, I felt, you know, I just thought I was supposed to pray for you. Oh, yeah, my husband's over here, and he's got this horrible staph blood infection thing, and I still got blood on me because his, his cat thing fell out and blood was there. And I'm like, oh, God, I just touched her. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, what if I take this back to my kid? You know what I mean? Like, what? what, what? Uh-oh. I can't have antibiotics, like infection. That's death. I'm dead. I'm screwed. So then you're sitting there trying to honor what God said, and you're trying to lay hands on this lady, who I'm sure like Ananias is like, really, i got to pray for this dude you want him to see again? He was killing Christians? You want him to see? And I'm thinking, I'm going to go kill innocent people. i got to walk around with all these babies, and I literally just touched this lady that had some crazy blood infection all over her. Well, guess what? I didn't. I, I didn't hang around long and find out what happened, but everyone's still alive. I didn't die. My kid didn't die. None of the other babies in the NICU died. I used my brains. I went and scrubbed my hands off where I went back in. I'm not saying we got to be idiots about it, but that was a stretch for me. And, and, and there was countless encounters in that hospital. You guys, my wife, man, we'd go into another room. And I'm like looking in the air vents going, oh, my God, you see how dirty that is? There's probably like legionnaires in here. The nurse came in. I'm like, man, you guys ever clean these vents? And my poor wife. She still claimed me as hers. Sorry, babe. You know, my wife's like, almost just died, and here's her husband. Um, I think the vent's a little dirty, babe. Mm, can we get another room? Guess what? I'm still here. 
The church got deemed non-essential. Now, this is where it gets tricky, because the Bible says the world's going to hate you. And I think that is 100% true. Shots fired. We good? No holes, we're good. Get the maskless man. God told me to, I swear. Joy, look at it, it's coming. I blame Mari. It's always Mari's fault when everybody starts laughing. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, the church gets deemed non-essential. I, I think it's easy to, to, to write it off of, well, the world's going to hate you. There wasn't room for Jesus. He had to be born in a manger. Like, simple, right? But I'm one of those, like, I, I don't ever take anything at surface value. I hate lip service. And I, I want to know why. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, Lord, is this because the world hates you? Or like, do they not even, or, or, or is there more to this? And this is where I have to say this is what I felt the Lord say. So the prophet's to be judged. I'm not calling myself a prophet, but you, you get it. This is what I felt God said to me. So I just, it gets, guys gives you an escape. Take it or leave it. But I felt like God said the world doesn't need us. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need the church. Because we haven't given them a reason to need us. And here stands Captain Germaphobe going, hmm. So I still got to lay hands on sick people? Yep, yeah, you do. And... It kind of breaks my heart because here we hold the answer, the key to all this. And I watched over the nation, the church shut down and pastors go in their home. And as I watched the door shut and the hope get locked in, this decline, and I watched this incline of suicide and death. Charles Spurgeon, in, in, in the midst of all this, I stumble across this. Someone sent it to me, probably because they know I'm a germaphobe. And sent me this thing, and, and it was, it's this quote, and, and it's, it's, he said, you know, the, the, I might misquote a little bit, but you'll get the gist. It said that the, the, the cholera may come by day, it may come by night, but I'm going to continue to go out and help. And, you know, if I suffer, then so be it, because sudden death be sudden glory. And I thought, man, like, I want that mentality. When, when, when God asks me to do something that I'm not comfortable with or seems out of the box. Dang it, I had a box. Oh, I hate humble pie. Anyways, when God asked me to do something out of the box that I'm uncomfortable with, like Ananias, I don't know, that's a good idea, Lord. We have to trust he has a plan. Because if we don't, the world's going to continue to suffer. And I don't want to say our job, but I've always struggled, you know, and, and it wasn't until this whole pandemic thing hit, I, I got even more humble pie that, that you know, like, how, 
you know, quick, you know, my past, man, I got so many, the life I lived is insane, you know, and it's like, I, I don't even feel worthy to do 90% of what God asked me to do. And it's like, you know, those who love much have been forgiven much. I'm like, dude, like, I should have way more love pouring out based off of what I got forgiven for. And, you know, and so I've always struggled, and, and, and I'll be honest, carry the slight judgment towards people, like, how can people not want to share Jesus? Like, how can we not share this amazing thing? Like, he, he picked me up from this pit. I, I'm not worthy of any of this. And he, he, he gives me life, he forgives me, he blesses me with way more than I ever deserved. And it's like, how can we not share that with the world? How can you keep that locked in? And then these germs show up, and I'm like, oh, that's how you keep it locked in there, bud. But it, 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 it's crazy. And, and it's, it's, you know, I, I don't even know where I'm at anymore in these things. I'm just going to run. You know, and it, it's, I, I want to see the church be essential again. And I know that's God's heart, too. You, you know, and, it, and it's, it's, it's I, I guess all this, you know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. But when Jesus and Luke... I think it's chapter 5, when he lays hands on the leper, at that time he broke Levitic law to touch the sick man. You know, I, I, I know everybody, we can get, we, there's so much political divide and racial divide and, and just crazy going on and conspiracy theories anymore. It's like, man, and, and I don't, I, this is not a place for politics or any of that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's God said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And you know what? I get there was mandates. I understand why they did it. I, and, and, you know, I don't want to get any more beyond that, but at the end of the day, there did come a point where even Jesus broke Levitic law to go lay hands on the sick and the diseased. And if we fail to do that, we're building a future for our children that's not looking so good. And I don't care if the world falls apart around us. If that hope is there, that lack of fear and that love is there, it doesn't matter what the world's doing. God's going to ask you to do stuff you're not comfortable with. And I know even, you know, there's this, even the, the young and old, I feel like there's this, this divide and you get this thing where, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, the millennials, they just want to stare at their phone. Have you ever sat down? It might be uncomfortable, but sat down and said, hey, what are you looking at? Like, what are you looking at on your phone? And meet them where they're at? And, and your skin might crawl as much as mine when God's like, hey, you need to go play that, pray with that person with a blood infection. I don't like it. But God's going to ask you to do it. And I can tell you from all the crazy, zany things God's asked me to do in my life, I've still... Okay. What are we... Was I? Does anybody remember where I was at? Oh, the blood disease, praying blood disease. That's right. Glad you're here today, Maury. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, I 
I guess it comes down to, are we listening? Really? And when you can humble yourself and slow down and say, God, what are you doing? It might seem a little crazy what he asks you to do. And it might make you uncomfortable. But I know that God didn't bankrupt heaven so that we could sit and be scared to go after the lost. And whether it be because we have a jaded view of millennials, whether we're scared of germs, whether we wear a mask or don't wear a mask, whether we're with this political party or that political party. If you find yourself being an extremist on one side of a view or the other, I'm not saying muddy the water, but God might be asking you to go to the complete opposite. And I bet if you quiet down and listen, and you can take the gallon of hand standing with you. God didn't judge me for that. But if you just listen and we go, I think we'll see churches with a lot more people in them. And I don't say that because church isn't about numbers, but it is about numbers. Mario Murillo, I, I, I watched this thing several months ago in the midst when all the lockdowns were still in place. And he was preaching at a church, breaking the law, down in California. And he, he made a comment. And he said, I look out and I see how many open seats there are here. And it breaks my heart because they should be full. And I see how many people didn't show up to church because of a virus. And it makes you wonder how many more people won't show up when they make Christianity illegal. I'm not trying to get political with the COVID thing. I'm just saying that's because the church got deemed non-essential, in my opinion. There was a story I listened to a while back of a guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge to kill himself. And I don't remember the numbers, but your chance of surviving that's like you should go buy a lottery ticket. And I remember this guy jumped, and I remember out of this whole story, what was going on in life, and he gets to this point, he said when he hit the water, I mean, he shattered like a bajillion bones in his body. And he said he was laying there, and he goes, I remember floating in the water thinking, it, it, I'll back up one step. He, he said the second he leaped over that railing, the instant he jumped, he said, I knew I made a mistake. Instantly. And it's like a, was it a four-second free fall or something from that bridge? I mean, that's, it's a lot. That's, it might seem like four seconds is short, but when you're falling, I imagine that's an eternity. And he said he remembered as he was falling, he said, all I could think about was I'm going to die, and no one's going to know that I really didn't want to do this. And he said, I hit the water there paralyzed thinking I'm drowning, and my family, my loved ones, and everybody are going to think I did this, and they're not going to understand this isn't what I really wanted. And the crazy part is a freaking seal comes up and lifts this guy out of the water and a boat saw it. Needless to say, homie found Jesus. But, I mean, how many people are sitting here in this, this hopeless thing, situation, and like I say, I'm saying this is, this is outside this pandemic thing. I'm just saying it anywhere, it could be anything influencing them. Sitting in this hopeless situation, 
they're about to pull this trigger and they're saying, you know, in the second that decision's made, you can't take it back. And, and I'm not one, this is where, I, I don't get to say who, where, where they go when that happens. And I have to believe that everybody gets a thief at the cross moment when they stand there in front of Jesus. So I'm not saying they don't get a, a chance. But what I'm saying is, is it breaks my heart because I look at how many people claim they're Christians. And it's like, man, if we all just went after one person, I think we see a flip-flop in things that are going on. But it, it takes outside the box. It takes stopping and listening. And it, and it takes obedience to the Lord of when he asks you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. It might seem a little crazy. And you know, this is... I had something happen to me, and I swore to everything I would never cuss in church. So, But you guys got to trust me on this one, okay? I had this moment where I, I was in a hopeless place. And my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. And for a lot of people, cancer is a death sentence. And I remember, you know, my mom, had, I think she had just gone through the mastectomy, if I remember right. And I remember I was at church. And, you know, everybody, bless their hearts, trying. This whole time, people are, you know, sending Bible verses and, and you know, and, and, and they meant well. And, oh, Tony's going to be okay. Just have faith. All good stuff. And I remember someone came up. And this is where, yeah, I get it. I'm treading the line. But this is my story. And I remember someone came up and said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. Or I said, oh, I'm doing all right. And, they, and they said, how you really doing? I'm like, no, I'm doing okay. And inside, man, I'm, I'm broke. Like, I was a mama's boy growing up, you know? And I don't know what's going to happen to mom. And I remember they said, can we go outside and talk for a second? I said, yeah. So we go outside. And this is where you can earmuff your kids if you want. But I remember this person looked me right in the eyes. And they said, Jonathan, it's okay sometimes to say, damn it, what the hell? I get that. And I'm sorry if some of you think I shouldn't even have said that. But I'll tell you in that moment, in my spirit, I broke. I absolutely broke. Because that's what I needed in that moment to be released from all this heartache and this hopelessness to allow Jesus to come into this hardened heart that's asking why to come in and hold it and say it's going to be okay. It's out of the box. You're not going to read that in here and I get it, it's, a, it's a fine line and it's dangerous. But I know this person to know enough that they probably sat there and wrestled with it with themselves. But they sat and they listened and they obeyed. And they said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this. And there's people out there that they're going to need a beer. And they're going to need someone to be in the store without a mask. And there's others going to need those with a mask on. But I guess all that is we have been so blessed with an amazing Jesus and an amazing Father. And, and, and from someone who has had a heart for the lost since they were a kid. I couldn't go in hospitals. I hated seeing a homeless guy. I just cried. I'm still crying. You know, and, it, and it's, it's, it's hard because it, 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 it personally, you know, it's, 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 I've been given that side of the Father's heart. And I've said this before. That doesn't mean those that don't have it are lesser than because you have parts of the, 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 the inheritance that I don't. And that's the joy of we all come together as one, as a team. But it's... I sit there and I watch all this and I'm thinking, God, this shouldn't be happening. And I know that like even, even for, for, for my heart, my prayer is that, God, that you, you could break me these things that are holding me back, that are stopping me from when you say go, I, 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 I go.
then I can stop making excuses. And I can stop trying to rationalize. I don't think that's really how it should be done. Because I'll be honest, sometimes God's like, hey, you need to not act like you're talking to the guys on the job site. And I'm like, that feels really awkward. And he's like, well, I need you to do it because that's the crowd you're reaching today. And I'm not saying God's going to ask you to go cuss at every person you see. (laughs) But I will tell you, again, he's going to ask you, or maybe he has asked you, to reach a group or do something that doesn't seem right, doesn't seem comfortable. It's not normal for you. But the choice is yours. Love gives a choice. And there's nothing you can do or not do to make God love you any more or any less. I joke all the time, Christianity is based off of forgiveness. Thank God. But I guess in my, in my, in my heart... And I feel like in God's heart, it's, it's time for the church to step up their game and put our own personal opinions and views aside and to put our ideas of how it's supposed to look aside. It, Bill Johnson, I think it's in the beginning of his When Heaven Meets Earth book. It, you know, at the very beginning, he said, we are... God's plan A, there is no plan B. He put all his eggs in the basket with us to go do the work. I don't know. Did you have something you want to add or I got an idea, but you might need to save my <laughs> the wind is blowing the sails, are we sinking? I'm not sure if I could add anything to that. I have always appreciated my son's willingness to be outside the box. I remember as a young boy, he would watch Benny Hinn, and he would line up his little stuffed animals, and he'd be praying, be healed in Jesus' name, and he'd just go down the line. But he has always danced to a different tune. He always always walked outside of the box, but you know what? I've always honored that in him. You know, religion says walk this way, talk this way, act this way. But relationship says, come follow me. And he heard the voice of the Lord say, come follow me. And he has worked with some really hard people, and he's been able to reach into their lives. They've been at our home for barbecues, and they're amazing people. That he heard Jesus say, go talk to that person. And he didn't expect them to walk his way, talk his way. He just went and loved on them. Amen. That is the universal language that speaks to all hearts. Love. I guess if I have to wrap this up, 
a little short today, but that's all right. I guess my prayer, the grace in my life at this moment, I think is, Lord, I want to see what you're doing. And I guess if, if that's you, if, if you're struggling with something that, that's, that's, I guess I'm going to throw a couple things out. If you're struggling with something that you feel is holding you back from being able to reach people, and, and, and that's a list a mile long, I'm not even going to go down that list, because if that's you, you know who you are and you know what you're struggling with. And if you feel like you want to help, but you're not sure what to do, and you want to learn to really hear and see what the Father's doing and to be able to navigate that fine line a little better, then I want you to stand. And those of you that have it all figured out that's standing around them, I'm just kidding. I just said that. Dang it. See? There's a construction talk coming out, being a smarty pants. But no, if those that are around them, if they want to lay hands on these people, because this, this isn't about me, it's about Jesus. I just flap my lips and hope I say what he wants me to say. But if, if you guys are comfortable with laying hands or extend a hand to the people that are standing, um, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. And Lord, I just right now, God, we just first all invite your presence. And I know you've been here, but I guess I just say, Lord, we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit to just come right now, God. And... Um, Lord, I just, I first of all, if, if the, the people in this room that stood, that are saying, there's things that are holding me back from being able to reach out to those that, that, that they want to or around them, but, but something's holding them back. God, I just pray that we just break that off right now in Jesus' name. Whatever that, that hindrance is, that, that lie that they're believing, that you would just tell it to go in Jesus' name. So that they'll be able to, to, to go out and be more effective and be able to, to be more comfortable of meeting people where they're at. And um, be able to, to, to trust what you're asking them to do. And Lord, also just um, those that are um, struggling with hearing. It's tough. It's a chaotic world we live in. And uh, God, I would just ask that you, you would just tune our ears to hear you better and, and open our eyes to what you're doing. So that we can navigate these times and we can really, really, really show the world what essential looks like. That we could, could start to go out and force God into the marketplace, into the streets. And that th these buildings would be flooded, not for, hey, our church full, but flooded because they're here and they're encountering you. And it's not about the building. We can have encounters in, in, in the marketplace, God. But, but it, it, the more that come together, the, just, the more that happens, the more the earth shakes. And Lord, again, just, just open the eyes, God. Open our ears and our hearts to truly see what you're doing. So that we're not just a bunch of bumbling fools or, or a bunch of just lip service that we talk this big talk, but we're, we're scared of the, the, the big bad germ, at least for me, that we could be effective. And God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for the blessings that we do have.
I, I just I keep, keep going back to Matt's word he shared, you know, about, about love. And I just keep hearing that, that we love because he first loved us. And I, I'm just feeling that there's some of you in this room that you still feel unlovable. And you need to know, and I said it already once, but there is nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. And he loves you because he loves you. And he bankrupted heaven just as much for you as the next guy. Lord, I just ask that those, those, those people that are feeling that way, that they could just, right now, God, just let that scale fall off their heart so that you can come in and just hold them like you did mine, God. Okay, so I'm trusting that I'm hearing from God this morning too. Please forgive my sunburned face. Um, but as Jonathan was sharing, I just, I just wanted to share kind of something that God's done uh, for me lately. Um, that I think is kind of part of like realizing at the heart of evangelism as well. Um, you know, I've done a lot of mission trips around the world, and I think that when you get set for a mission trip the first time, your thought is, man, I'm going to this desolate, broken place where they don't know Jesus and they don't have anything, and I'm just going to help them so much. And, and our heart is in the right place, you know, like, gosh, I just want to go and serve and, you know, they have nothing. They live in the dirt. And they, and, you know, then you get there and something incredible happens. They change you more than you change them. There is this incredible place of humility where you realize I had so much to learn. And I didn't know everything. And I didn't know anything, actually, about this. And, and these people that I thought I was going to help, they changed my life. They changed my life. And I had an encounter recently with a couple, um, a lesbian couple, and she's going through a transformation to become a man. And I thought in my mind, you know, gosh, they need something that I have because obviously they're lost or broken or whatever. And it would have been very easy for me to walk into this weekend with these people and say, I have something they need, right? Because we do. But the other thing that they needed was someone to listen. And I went into that conversation. They were in my home. We stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning laughing, talking about politics, talking about their views on race and religion. And it was life-changing. Because you know what? We're not two worlds apart. We're not black and white and left and right. We found this spot in the middle, this sweet spot that was gorgeous of, I completely agree with you. I 100% hear your heart. And I'm sorry you were hurt. And I'm sorry you were wounded. And it's transformative for both people. And I guess what I want to share is that sometimes we walk in with an agenda Sometimes we think we have something that they need, and we do. But we have to understand that they have something we need too. And there's a sweet spot in the middle where God can create unity and love 
and forgiveness and hope that the world is missing, if we can just let that down just a tiny bit and say, it's not all about me and what I think and what I feel and what I want to see happen in your life. It's about who you are and who God says you are and what I can learn from you and what you can teach me. And let's bring that together. Let's find hope in the middle. Yeah, that's my wife. Anyways, I'm going to let uh, Pastor Doug wrap this all up. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Jesus always walked in the radical middle, didn't he? He wasn't on the left and he wasn't on the right. And he reached way beyond the margins and pulled those people into the radical middle right where he was at. And that's what we should be doing. Amen? Let's, uh, let's take one more moment. Um, we have time. Steve, you want to come on up? Mr. Stuckey's got a word for us outside of the box story. I love these. The short version, I promise. It's the short version. Um, years ago, um, my family and I would pray for everybody that we could, and it was an amazing thing. And I would do all these loner trips uh, at times, and I would uh, pray for people to be healed and, and see God and meet God. Well, one day I'd go to my favorite place in Southeast Oregon. Uh, it's the high desert, Steens Mountain area, if any of you are familiar. And <laughs> a quick side note, I grew up in a household that, that really had judgments against some things, and homosexuality was one of them. So I was raised, you know, hating gay people. Well, now flash forward, uh, the love of God is on me, and uh, he can love me, he can love anybody. And I show up at this campground, and it's basically no one's there, and no one's really there anyway, but no one's really there. And I'm excited because I'm, I'm by myself, and uh, a Volkswagen van shows up, and out this uh, man decides to camp across from me when the whole campground's open. And but without any judgment, he, he, he seemed very gay um, as he walked to get his, to pay for his uh, camp spot. I'm like, really, Lord? You know, I mean, um, and I'm not scoffing homosexuality at all. I'm not judging it. I mean, uh, you have to hear my heart. It's just something what Jonathan uh, stirred this in my heart made me think of this story because uh, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't, you know, he didn't have a broken leg. I didn't want to, I just wanted to pray for healing during that time. Well, God did an amazing thing and... I said hello to him and went over to his camp that night, and believe it or not, it was started to rain, thunderstorm, and I got inside his van with him, and I was sharing him the love of God, and it was intense, and it was too intense for him. He actually ended up kicking me out. It was too much for him, and I, and I was probably giving too much as well, but I, he just had to hear you know, how good God is. And he kicked me out, and I said, well, God, I, I, you know, I felt like a champion because I did what I didn't want to do. Every time I do what I don't want to do, 
uh, in God's eyes, I feel like a winner. Um, the next morning, I'm up making coffee. By the way, this man happened to have come from Wolf Creek, uh, which was an amazing uh, thing. They have this convention in Wolf Creek, and that's where he just came from, and he's going back to California that morning. So I'm up having coffee, getting ready to do whatever I'm doing, and he's starting to roll out, and I said, hey, would you like a cup of coffee before you go? And that shocked him because he's the one that kicked me out of his van. He's the one kind of judging me at this point. And he gets out, and we have a cup of coffee. You have to understand, this man was very um, different than me in a huge aspect. It was, it was a challenge. And I said, well, let me pray for you before, we, before uh, you leave. And I put... Uh, excuse me, I put my arm around him, and I, I, I don't remember what I prayed, but uh, prayed that God's love would, would encounter him. And he started to cry. <laughs> Sorry. And he was leaving. Uh, he got in his van, an old Euro van, love it. And he was driving away, and he stopped, and he goes, no one has showed me if any of my friends or boyfriends, no one has shown me the love that you have just shown me. And it was awesome. It was awesome. As Steve was sharing, I, I just had this imagery of, let's stand. I had this imagery of so many of us. Remember the old toy Jack in the Box? And you'd turn the handle, you'd turn the handle, you'd turn the handle. You knew it was coming, and then boom, when you least expected it. I think God's going to do that to a lot of us. He's turning the handle, and we're coming out of the box. Amen? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You know, I told you a while back that when, when we and our passion is we're pressing into revival, oh, and it starts with us, God reviving us in our hearts, but be prepared to be inconvenienced. That's a huge part of revival. It is inconveniencing to many of us in many different ways. So be prepared for that. But let's be willing to get out of the box. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you for this healing day. <laughs> I thank you, God, for coming and just manifesting yourself. Father, your word promises that when we gather to honor you, you're here. And, Father, you just not only are here, but you manifested in a powerful way, just touching hearts. Wow. And Father, I just pray that you would come alongside all of us in some special, unique way this week and just assure us that, that in you, we've got this. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. And we just pray for peace. We pray for divine health over everyone in this room. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. You may go home. <laughs>